My skin belonged first to a god, and then a husband, which made me the courier delivering my own frame. Foster mother to my becoming, love but do not claim her, keep her safe, but do not give her a name. It is no wonder then I taught her to stay quiet. It is no wonder then how I robed her in shame. It is no wonder how the mind and heart can separate when one is charged to tame the other, when one and the devil are one and the same. To grow up, girl, you must walk like a battlefield. Balance the sword slung against your own wanting. Breathe deep the smoke of desires you've burned. Divorce your flesh to preserve your union. Divide your whole to be kept holy, to be given, to be loved. Be in your body, but be not of it. Love the world, but do not become it. Silence the fire, you must rise high above it. Be in your skin, love, but never be of it. My skin belonged first to a god and then a husband, until like a thief on a cross I reclaimed her, and you will have to carve repentance out from between us, take her back from me bleeding, if ever at all. I am the name I have given to hold her. I am what she is called. And truly I tell you, she will be with me in paradise, or there will be no paradise at all. Hi, heathens. So a lot of firsts this week. This is uh, the first time that we will be having a conversation via the internet with someone who is not in the room. And it's also the first time that I am here with you alone. Matthew is not here for this interview this week. And though I think you will hear me missing him in every moment, I also know that you are going to love the beautiful, wise, and wonderful woman that we're going to be hearing from today. My friend Ava is a teacher, a healer, uh, a preacher in her own right. She is beautiful and powerful, and I can't wait for you uh, to dive into some of the wisdom that she has to share with us. So I hope that... Um, we do right by this podcast today in our first attempt at an all-girl episode. It's Girl Power Sunday. Here we go. Spiritual Conversations for the Godless. I'm Matthew Blake. And I'm Karen Thurston. Welcome to Heathen. (laughs) 
Hi, heathens. It's Karen. Matthew is uh, not here with us today because I am at home while he is at work interviewing one of my absolute favorite people who is here to share her story today. Um, this is my friend Ava, and she's amazing. And she's my favorite uh, in interesting ways, I think, because we are connected sort of loosely in all the practical ways of life, but very uh, deeply on a soul level. I think we connect in a a spirit sister sort of a way. Um, and she has been kind of with me on my deconstruction journey as we've kind of gone along, we followed similar paths. And so I am so excited to sit down with you today, love, and hear more of your story. Hi. Mm. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and thank you for the beautiful introduction. I feel very similar. Um, to you because I feel like our paths have shared a lot of commonalities mm-hmm. and yeah it's going to be interesting uh, how this conversation goes thank you for having me oh, fun we're gonna we're gonna see where we wind up and it'll yes. be it'll be a good time <laughs> it's gonna be great um okay so normally I'm trying to be Matthew which is a really like that's a tall order but what Matthew will usually say is that he doesn't like to introduce people he likes to have them introduce themselves so that you kind of get uh, control over, over who you are in the world and who you would like to be. So I'm handing you control. Give us, give us the, <laughs> the intro. Give us the intro. Who are oh, you? Oh gosh, that, oh, I needed to prepare for that one. <laughs> ah, you're fine. Usually my intro turns completely into my story. Um, Perfect. That's what I, what would I say? Well, the short version, you know, that elevator pitch is that I am a Puerto Rican woman turn nurse, turn wife and mom, turn theologian, turned psychotherapist, turn <laughs> pastor, military chaplain. <laughs> and as, as of lately, businesswoman, <laughs> life coach, healer, and priestess. So that's 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 it's a simple story, really. There's <laughs> it's very little. You lived a very, very linear, <laughs> basic, average life, and it's been right. Fun. Right. Absolutely. Um, Tell us a little bit about just, uh, well, start us off with like who you are on the internet right now. What are you doing? Where can we find you? Let's start there and then we'll dive in. So I identify myself as a speaker um, and healer and life coach. So my work is with women and is this work of really helping women to embody wholeness and awaken the goddess so that they can step into who they fully are, show up in the world connected to their creative source and to the heart's truth. So I love what I do. And yeah, that's, that's what I do. Okay. I love it. But it was a long road to get here. You didn't yes, start there. It was. No, it wasn't. And it, we can go back to the beginnings in the beginning. In the beginning. <laughs> it was so I'll tell you, I'll tell you um, my story. So like I said, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, and I am of the belief that we arrive in this world whole and completely perfect. And um, so I arrived in this world whole, completely perfect, absolutely beautiful, um, to a family in Puerto Rico. And I loved um, I loved where, where I lived. And so one of the things that I've noticed in my life is that 
these things started to show up. So for example, starting from very little, I started showing signs of leadership and passion and abilities. And then you start hearing messages like you're too much or you're not enough or you're too passionate or you're too impulsive and you're too sensitive, right? And so because we have this need to belong and connect, we want to to be loved, right? So I explain it like you start losing pieces of yourself along the way and you start bringing pieces into your life in order to fit into culture, society, whatever. A big part of of that is me growing up in the church. My mom was a very prominent leader in the American Baptist Church and I grew up in the church. And even though my dad never went to church, he always encouraged us to do the right thing and go with my mom, right? Hmm. And so I was involved in everything, um, in the pageants and the Bible verse reciting things <laughs> and, <laughs> and all the VBSs and flags and whatever you name it, I participated. And I've been gifted with passion. Passion is a huge thing for me. And so being in a space where sometimes passion was misinterpreted for something else being told like you need to tone it down like christian girls don't bring that much attention to themselves so again you start to like lose pieces of yourself that are very integral to who you are and you start accommodating right or i've always been the one that asked questions like i love questions i love Mm -hmm. to ask questions and i think that's why i ended up like you know as a therapist and a life coach Um, But I've always had questions because I've always known that there is something really big out there and I want to understand that. Mm. And so asking questions in a religious setting, sometimes it's not welcomed. And there isn't a space for, for you to just have questions and even doubts like those, those are not welcome. And so anytime I I try to ask a question or envision a different reality as perhaps a possibility. I was told like, you're too rebellious, like you're rebelling against, you know, the established border. So you keep losing pieces of yourself, right? And you keep bringing pieces to fit in. But what happens is what I, what I believe happens is like your soul starts getting restless, right? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. it's not, it's supposed to be and so I went through college and college was rough and it was like my rebellious season I had like one foot in the church and one foot in the world so I would party and like do all these crazy things and then on Sunday morning I was like very devout and I was leading worship and I'm not part of it but it's what it is (laughs) were you still in Puerto Rico at this point or were you I was I was I was in Puerto Rico all the way till I was done with college. Okay. And so I got hired by the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota to come work as a nurse. And so I moved to Minnesota from Puerto Rico mm-hmm. and I brought all my fragments itself to Minnesota, right? And I, of course, joined a church and I thought all this time I'm thinking there's something wrong with me because I can never fit in. I can never fit in these spaces or these personas that I'm supposed to be. And so I thought, well, maybe a change of scenery would do something like I might be able to just finally fix myself, right? In Minnesota. Right, in Minnesota. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, I met my husband. We got married. Where did you meet 
a church. Oh, okay. That makes for a very interesting now um, trend of events. Yeah. <laughs> and we met at church. He's a pastor's kid. And he comes from a Pentecostal background. So mm. even a little bit more strict, right? But at the time, I thought, you know, I hit the jackpot because he was a good kid, right? Right. And so he was very supportive. Um, I had my daughters and I struggled with postpartum depression really, really bad to the point of psychosis, right? And so even in that space of feeling even more broken, like I couldn't connect with my kids, I felt horrendous about myself, hearing all these messages of like, maybe they're sinning your life. Maybe your faith is not strong enough. Like, what did you do that you are being tested in this way, right? And so for somebody that's already feeling broken, that just, that doesn't help, no. you know? yeah there's a huge issue in the church with mental health. And so um, just, it, it didn't help. Um, so kind of like in that same space, I knew that I had been called for something. I always had a passion for working with women. I thought um, women were absolute like masterpieces, mm -hmm. <laughs> God's masterpieces. I've always loved women and had a passion for working with them. And so I knew that I wanted to work with women. And so I thought that perhaps taking care of them in a physical space as a nurse was going to be the way I fulfill my calling, right? Mm -hmm. But then it left me like, no, this is not it. Like in at the time, I didn't have the language to say something like holistic. It wasn't holistic, but that wasn't it. And so I thought, um, and I prayed, and I thought at the time, like I would go to seminary because perhaps I needed more Bible and because mm -hmm. my rebellious nature needed to be like brought Damn. into submission, right? <laughs> and so... Um, oh, I love it. <laughs> And so um, <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> no, no I'm with you. I'm so with you. Keep going. And so I started looking at seminaries and it was really funny because I had three choices at the time. There was this school called Multnomah University in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. I've never heard anything about Portland, Oregon. <laughs> there was this school down in New Orleans and there was a school in North Carolina. And so I applied to three, to those three. Okay. Katrina hit New Orleans and took away that choice. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the school in North Carolina never replied to me until after I was already in Portland. And so I was left at the time of what I thought was the only choice I had. Right. So um, I told my husband, I think this is where we need to go. Mm. And it's like, okay, let's go. So we... And he was on board, like he was supportive of this whole thing? He, <clears throat> at first he was afraid. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, I don't know, this is not going to work. He had a really good job. I had a really good job at the Mayo Clinic. And, but I've always had something, which now, you know, it's my intuition that's really loud and strong, but I've always mm -hmm. had that little inkling um, deep, like in my gut that I know, when I know, I know. Right. And so I knew that I, I was supposed to go to Portland, Oregon. And I go to visit and I hate it. Like it's <laughs> rainy and it's great. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> and I remember in Puerto Rico. You cannot get further. I know, I know. <laughs> well, you can, so, but like feels it feels pretty dramatic, I'm sure. 
It was. And I remember just standing in front of Multnomah looking over at like Gleason in 82nd. And it was rainy and it was cold. And I was like, are you kidding me? There, this is mm-hmm. not it. And again, that little thing inside of me that was like, yep, this is it. I was like, crap. Okay, well, this is it. Mm-hmm. And so that was in March. And in August, we moved. And we moved to Portland. My youngest daughter was just shy from being one. And my oldest one was three and a half. Baby. And so very little. And it was going to be a two-year program. We were going to go. And then we were going to return mm-hmm. back to Minnesota. Right? And so two years turned to three. Three turned to four. Four turned to ten. Right? So what was that like and for so, you at Multnomah? Did you, did you find the paper that says, I will not drink a beer? I will not say. Oh, yes. Well, beer. yes, I did. But at the time I wasn't doing any of, this, of, of those things because I was bound and determined to live the really perfect, good life, you know? Right, and right. so I, and still, I don't drink. I just don't have a taste for it. But I was like, oh yeah, sure. Like mm-hmm. no problem. And now I'm thinking like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> the stupidest paper ever. So you have someone to sign. Tennis paper. Um, and so I started my journey at Mama. And now looking back, I can see a lot of things that back then I didn't notice. But it was really hard. It was really hard being a female in a Masters of Divinity program. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah. I was the one going to school and my husband was living in Mary's student housing in the courtyard mm-hmm. with all these wives that were at home and was were questioning... Being- was he the only well, one? Yes, wow. at the time. Yeah. And so he was being questioned, like, why is your wife pursuing a man's degree? Mm. And so to him, he didn't understand because he came from a Pentecostal, like Assemblies of God church where women and men are, you know, on equal footing. And I came from an American Baptist church where like women are at the top, you know, they are mm. with the man. And so I was like, what what do you mean there's like a difference like what do you mean I'm not supposed to do this and it was actually the first time that I learned about complementarians and egalitarians Mm. I was like what like what ridiculousness is this like I knew that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing and nobody could tell me otherwise and so I didn't understand why it was such a big deal for people and so um I did really well in my program. Mm. And, um, you know, I took preaching classes as electives because that's who I am, you know? And so I did really well, but all that time, like I felt that I was leaving pieces of myself and I, and I, that's when I started to feel a little bit of the restlessness being a little bit louder. Mm. And so, um, we had some, go ahead. This picture, sorry. (laughs) you like sitting in a classroom in a sea of like white beard flannel clad men (laughs) drinking their tea like it's not even coffee they're like jacks with tea and it's delightful it's a delightful picture it's also you know (laughs) excruciating a little traumatizing (laughs) but It is. Oh, man. It is. Um, Welcome to Portland, Oregon, my friend. I know. Into conservative Bible school. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, overall, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. But I couldn't tell you that I grew closer to the God that I was 
raised with. Like I already felt that I knew these things. If anything, it gave me more room to ask more questions. Really? Yeah. Um, in the sense that now I knew all these things, like where, how did the Bible get put together? Um, who decided which books went mm. where? And so I was like, oh, wait, wait a minute. Do you mean to tell me that a group of men God didn't come <laughs> down and gave somebody a book and this is like what you're supposed to be found? You meaning to tell me that like a bunch of men sat and decided which books were going to go? It's like, hmm. So, you know, that restlessness <laughs> and that inquisitive mm-hmm. nature started to like bubble up and, and I couldn't find a space to ask these questions, right? I didn't feel like I was welcome. So I started asking these questions to my husband and he's like, I thought you went to seminary to like, like for something different. <laughs> and now he's freaking out. <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> this was not the plan. Like, huh, 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 what happened? <laughs> and then I remember him saying, I heard some other wives saying that some people just completely stop being Christians when they're done with seminary. That's not happening to you, right? Oh, poor guy. <laughs> He left oh, his man. job for like 17 years. He had really good benefits. And we struggled in Portland trying to find work for him. And then he went to work for a church that ended up being a hellhole. And mm-hmm. it was, so he was like, what? What do you, hmm? he was completely freaking out, <laughs> freaking out. Um, so I am doing like all these things. I got really good at performing, you know, achieving and getting really good grades after seminary was done I was like oh wait a minute like perhaps I can keep learning and so I decided I was going to do a second master's degree in counseling because Mm -hmm. perhaps this is how I can incorporate my physical you know that physical aspect with nursing with the theology aspect and and the mental health and and I I was starting to see that I could perhaps bring a different voice to the community. Like I was starting, that restlessness was giving me a little bit of voice. And so I joined the military as a reserve chaplain in the Air Force. Um, and then I started the counseling program. So what was that? Okay. So hold up. Cause you just joined the Air Force, which is not something that like is on my radar of things right. to just go and do. So what was that? <laughs> So I'll just join the Air Force today. After after the same, after seminary was done, it was around that time where churches were in a, in a tough place financially. Mm. Right. And so I was thinking that I would become a hospital chaplain. Right. And, but a lot of churches were laying pastors off and a lot of those pastors were going into hospital chaplaincy. Mm. And because they had all the experience, they were getting in. Right. And so it was starting to become a place of like, I might not have a job after I'm done with seminary. So what is something I can do? And I was still thinking about hospital chaplaincy. And so someone said, why don't you just like become a military chaplain and do reserves? And then that will help you get into hospital chaplaincy Mm -hmm. faster. And we needed to pay bills. And so because I had been in the ROTC when I was in college, mm, okay. I was like, oh, sure, why not? Worst decision <laughs> ever. Tell us how you really feel. 
Okay. So sorry. walk me through. So what does that look like? Like I have no, I have no idea what a military chaplain, like I, I can kind right. of figure out what that means, but I don't have any idea right. what your day would have and been. And I, and I always say worst decision ever. And then I have to like, I have to go back and say, but I actually love serving my country. Like right. those go the military. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 God bless America. <laughs> right. And so, um, a military chaplain, you know, I was in the air force, uh, so my role was basically to be pastor slash counselor, right? Mm-hmm. So I was assigned to basic military training. So all the kids that come in that join the military go to boot camp, right? Right. So I was assigned to one of the squadrons, one of the groups. And so my role was to have counseling hours. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekends, I would preach be in a rotation to preach a chapel. I would do baptisms. Um, I would visit um, soldiers that were in prison, in the, in the military prison. Right. Um, I would do invocations and retirement ceremonies, things like that. Okay. All that like protocol and that kind of stuff. So you're yeah. sort of just the resident on-call mm-hmm. spiritual guidance for these kids right. that are in the boot camp. Right, right. Okay. And a specific and- group of them. Yes. And so I was assigned to the squadron of the kids that were injured during boot camp and were kind of like in a holding place until they mm-hmm. got better and could go back to boot camp. I actually enjoyed that part. Like I enjoyed just talking to the kids and, and being able to hold space for them to ask questions. You know, there, a lot of them are just like 18 years old and, you know, they have this idea of what the military is and a lot of them are like, shoot, what did I do? Like, this is not what I thought, you know? And so just allowing that space for them to just talk about whatever um, and then, you know, offer some guidance completely unattached and then, you know, they could do with it whatever they want. Um, so that was good. But I had to go to through boot camp and that was horrendous and I hated it and I cried almost so wait, every single like day. You had to do the actual physical mm-hmm. like really? I didn't yes. know that. Yes. Wow. I was, I was 37, I think. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yes. oh hell. No. And I it was <laughs> I learned a lot about myself. I learned that I whine a lot. I used to whine a lot. <laughs> it's like I am 37. I have two master's degree. Why do I have to get up at four in the morning to do stupid push-ups that are not gonna oh, help yeah. me for anything in life? Um but I made some really good relationships and, you know, it's part of the process. You do what you have to do and right. kind of toughen up. And towards the end, you know, you're conditioned to, to, to go with it. Right. So, a lot of jumping jacks. Right. A lot of, <laughs> and a lot of pushups and a lot right. of running. And, um, yeah, so I did that. So that's one of my most adventurous, crazy things that I feel I've done. <laughs> 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 and so, um, yeah, so after that, um, I was finishing up my counseling degree. So I was doing that while I was in counseling school. Okay. And towards the end, um, my husband, my family, and I had already started going to Amago Day. And <clears throat> we really enjoyed it. We um, thought that, you know, the message was solid. The church was engaged in you know, social justice, and it was doing a lot of cool things. And so 
we thought this is a place that we could call home. And it was progressive and was a lot of flannel and a lot of beers and a lot of coffee. A lot of coffee. <laughs> yes. And a lot of art and a lot of music, which was really mm. cool for me. Um, and so towards the end, I got a phone call from the pastor and out of the blue, he said that he needed to share something with me. First, the thought of him knowing who I was was completely mind-blowing because I never engaged with him before. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and so I go, and he presents this opportunity to me to become the women's pastor. Mm. And so I thought, like, this is it. Like, this is the job that God has for me. Right, and that's all like, of those pieces that you do. Right, they're, they're coming together, right? And so I am told that I am to, um, you know, bring my mental health background, bring all of that to create culture because the pastor that, you know, before me, she had been there for a long, long time and it was really good. And, um, she had done things her way and he wanted me to do, to bring my own flavor to it, you know? Mm, Right. And this is where, um, this is where you and I intersect. This is where we (laughs) <laughs> this is where we because yeah. I was on staff at this same right. time. Right. So, hello, mm-hmm. nice to meet you. Continue. <laughs> nice to meet you too. <laughs> and so <clears throat> I step into this role thinking this is my dream job, right? This is it. Like all of my life experiences are for this moment in time, for such a time as this, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I start in this journey and there were pieces of it that I absolutely love and there were pieces that were really challenging. And so, um, I was the only women pastor among the pastors. I was the only woman of color, um, among the pastors. There were structures within the church where there was a point where I couldn't go any further with my voice and my influence. And so there was an elder board that I was in, part of and so I bring my questions right you know yeah okay wait so let's let's go back to that so for people who don't know like what an elder board is or why you wouldn't have been able to be a part of that right for this particular church eldership is a male calling right 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 Right. and so that's the only role that a female cannot fulfill in it's based on their interpretation of scripture right right and so the elders as husband of one wife right and that yes and i at this point have blocked a lot of that stuff sure (laughs) from my mind but (laughs) somewhere in the bible it says something about right because it is their interpretation of it now i have a different interpretation so i choose to go with mine and so i don't know what it is but um so it's a group of men some of them are pastors but some of them are just people from the community men from the community that live exemplary lives Mm -hmm. and they are part of this this group and so I start asking questions like so who speaks for the women in this board like how is women's voices represented such a good question and so I'm told well like your supervisor well yeah but my supervisor is a guy like as much as he has compassion and wants to represent us, he can't. Like he can't. I admire the willingness, but he can't. There are things that he's not able to speak to. And so I start asking these questions and within, I would say within a month, I am told that I have a spirit of rebellious rebellion and entitlement hmm. within perhaps a month. 
right? By my so-called Within a month of, of having the job or within a month of starting to ask the questions? <sighs> within the month of having the job because I started asking questions right away. Right. And so it's the elder right? board. The elder board makes a lot of the major decisions for the church. They do. The they do. Like, um, yeah, they hire, you know, right. they interview people, <clears throat> things with budget, um, some things with programming, you know, like the direction of, of where the church is, is headed. And so um, I felt that half of the voices were not at the table. And so right. that didn't seem not only unfair, but like, just, it, it seemed wrong. Illogical. Yeah. Right. Right. Like it made no sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I start asking these questions starts, I start feeling this resistance. Right. And at the same time, I'm starting to feel like that restlessness within me is starting to grow. Right. right. <clears throat> I don't know who I am anymore. Um, in that moment, I would have told you that I am the woman's pastor and I'm a woman of God and yada, 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 but I really don't know who I am anymore. And so all these crazy things started happening. Um, my daughter got sick and with the scariest thing ever that happened to her, she started having these episodes of intense pain in her head. And she would say that the blood in her head was boiling and burning her. (sighs) And so that was within a few months of me becoming a pastor. And then a month after she, um, that happened to her, um, the restlessness was already growing in me so much to the point that one night I remember, excuse me, I remember I put my girls to bed and I was walking back to my room when I felt this hole, like this punch in my gut that took my air out. And I thought I was coming to the end of my life. Like I couldn't breathe the room went completely dark. It was closing in on me. And I knew I was having a panic attack, but it felt like I was dying. Mm. And I saw me coming to the end of my life completely in pieces, completely mm. broken, like just fragments of myself just coming to the end of my life. And, you know, I cried and I couldn't breathe. And the next day, um, I ended up in my psychiatrist's office and I had worked with him when I was a mental health therapist. I was his teaching assistant. And I sat in his office and I said, Warner, just tell me, like, I'm having, like, an anxiety, depression episode. Like, this is killing me. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you two things. First, <clears throat> this pastor job is going to kill you. Hmm. And then second, he said, Ava, unless you tend to your soul, you're always going to go through life restless. Hmm. And that, to me, was profound, like I knew at that moment that I needed to stop what I was doing and I needed to figure out what was this restlessness? What was it about? Hmm. And so I started to feel that the church was not the place for me. Hmm. Um, but I kept going and by divine, I don't know, destiny or whatever it didn't work out and the way it finished it was crazy I chose to resign I was told um sorry you don't fit in Mm. basically and I was like you're right I don't I don't fit in this is that's not for me Hmm. and so was there was there an element of relief in that in like the acknowledgement of there was a peace in my decision. Like I felt at peace when I decided I was going to resign. Hmm. 
um, I knew again, like that gut feeling that this is what I need to do. And so it only lasted for a little over a year, perhaps a year and a half. And a lot of the things that happened that I won't go into detail were really um, crazy. We're really crazy. <laughs> or like the messages that even within the church, like I kept getting told, like you're too rebellious, like you're too much, like your voice is not welcome in this space. And mm-hmm. so at this point, I'm like, you know what? I don't think I don't think I want to keep this thing going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided I would resign. And I felt peace about that. And I had been thinking already to add life coaching to my set of skills. Mm-hmm because I am a lifelong learner and I could be in school for the rest of my life. (laughs) And so I decided I would add life coaching to my skills. And so I had already enrolled in a program. And it's interesting because I arrived at life coaching wanting to gain skills that would help me be a better whatever I was going to be. But it was in that space that I felt the most sacred Um, of spaces I felt the closest to God and it was in that space where I awakened to the understanding that the piece I was always missing from the picture was me Hmm. I was gone you know I kept leaving pieces of myself along the way and kept adopting these other pieces and so um, completely broken and just realized that I was missing for me. Hmm. And so it was in life coaching where I was able to reintegrate and become whole and integrate all those pieces. And, you know, the part of like, you're too loud. Um, It was a lie that I had believed. And so how do you reincorporate that back into your heart? Well, I am a passionate woman. It's not that I'm too loud. It's that I bring passion to everything that I do. Hmm. Um, You are not light enough well you know what I am a brown woman and the sun has chosen to 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 kiss my skin you know (laughs) this is who I am um you ask too many questions you're too smart you're too loud um I am an inquisitive curious mind you know and so it was I opening it was mind-blowing to see all these lies that I had believed it and that I had made truth and in doing so I had lost integral pieces of myself oh god I feel that and so yeah it, it was yeah it was that that moment of embodying wholeness yeah. and awakening awakening something within me and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden all of these things and all of these questions that I had started to didn't 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 seem that crazy anymore didn't sound right. that out there it starts to make sense all of a sudden yeah things start to make sense and and then uh, I start thinking well like God doesn't fit in this paradigm like religion always felt very constricting like it felt like it was suffocating me mm-hmm. um and, but I always knew that God existed, you know, and I've chosen to use the term universe right now because I'm having, I'm going through a process of unattaching the the masculine pronoun to God. Mm, and so, yeah, yeah. And so I've chosen the word universe because it, to me, it feels more expansive and because there isn't a place that says I cannot use that word. And so um, 
awakening my intuition, awakening that that sense of knowing that there's something out there and I am curious about it. And I want to explore that and coming from a place of complete um, curiosity and no shame around it. And so um, that awakening was absolutely the best thing that's ever happened to me and the freakiest thing for my husband to experience. Right. <laughs> husband thought he knew what was going on in his life. <laughs> I, feel, I feel for him because he is like, huh. Like, he doesn't know what, what hit him. Got us what now? <laughs> right, right. And he's like, so wait a minute, like, so you're, you're not a Christian anymore. And so we've had all these conversations. And, you know, and I have felt, um, you know, at one point I released him. Mm-hmm. I said, this is who I've always been. And I feel like, like, in a sense, like a fraud, because you married somebody that was living under a different way of being and doing things. And I am awakening to this person or to to myself. And so you are in your right to say, um, that's not the woman I marry. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to be with her, mm-hmm. you know? And so we're having those conversations and there's a lot of freedom to do whatever you know um and so a relationship is you know just I don't want to say yeah yeah it's changed but it's um shifted a lot of the ways in which we view life and um I like that you know he is at his place in his journey and he needs to he needs to continue on his journey and he'll arrive to whatever he needs to arrive on his time. And I am allowing for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's allowing for the unfolding of me, you know? And so that's that piece. Um, Isn't that funny? I don't know if this has been true for you, but for me, like, I feel like as I got out of that space where I was trying so hard to be the girl I needed to be, Uh be in that place and to fit the religion and to do those things, all of the other parts of it, like the way we define relationship and the way that things begin and end and um, all of those really strict parameters that I had on everything that felt so scary. Like, oh my gosh, it would be mm-hmm. so scary if this changed. Mm-hmm. So scary if this ended. It would be so mm-hmm. scary if I held this loosely. I feel like mm-hmm. all of that kind of opened up. Like there's mm-hmm. such a peace around all of that now. Like I no longer feel uh, mm-hmm. so... Uh, what's the word like possessive of the story right. that my life right. needs to tell? Like, right? Isn't it because I feel I know it's because of that fear aspect. There is so much fear, so much fear. within the bounds of religion, because everything that we do comes from a place of a fear. Yeah. And, and you know, um, at first I was like, oh crap! Like all of my circle is Christian circle. Like I didn't know anybody that wasn't as me. And so having to relearn how to engage people that didn't think the way I thought, um, and then having to, um, speak up when I felt that, "Mm, no, I don't agree with that anymore. 
Mm-hmm. That's not how I view things. And then, you know, just being open to like the fire and the brimstone and you're going to hell and you're losing your soul. Oh yeah. Um, Which is a huge, like that's still such a, we talk about this almost every week on the podcast, but like, that's such a huge, like. It comes from a place of fear too. Of like, <laughs> oh, you're going to lose your soul, by the way. Right. Like you are right. forfeiting right. your soul by asking right. questions. About it. Like that's such a huge, scary mm-hmm. precipice to be standing mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And at first I was like, how am I going to respond to this? And, and I feel blessed that I made friends really quickly in circles outside, um, because I am mainly on the online space doing my business. So I've reached out and connected to people. And so Mm -hmm. I've, I've found people that hold space for me and I can come and say, oh my gosh, like so-and-so I'm about to like react and like tell them, you know, that, that they are the ones that are like enslaved by this paradigm or whatever. And, um, they've met me with like, just let it go. Like there are battles that you can fight, but if really, if it doesn't bring life to your soul, just let it go. Where, where was one of the first places that you found that community? Like, was there a specific place online or a specific group? Well, the first group was my life coaching group that saw me unfold and unravel and unbecome, you know? And so they went through it with me. Um, And they hold a a special place in my heart and I Mm -hmm. still connect with them. And so that was like the first group. So six people and love them dearly and they held space and they showed me, they modeled what was, holding space and beautiful space. And at first I was like, this is a bunch of crazy people. I don't mm. know if I want to be in this space. <laughs> people. All this weird stuff. <laughs> right? And, and then these are like the outcasts and the, you know, the witches or whatever that, that, that actually hold that space of no judgment, mm. no shame. And they allow you to just be, and right. I felt so much love in that space. Right. Did and you come face to face? Fear. Did you feel, do you feel like you spent so much of your life being like low key judgmental without even like, like feeling like you weren't judgmental. And then like you start to unpack it and you're like, Oh, Oh no. To- no, shoot. absolutely. <laughs> I remember things that I've said. I was like, what the hell? Like, what was I thinking right? when I said that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you're in that space. I mean, I said some barbaric things. Right. Well, and you, you kind of have to, to preserve that space that you're trying to be the person that you're trying to right. be. Right. We, we right. talk a lot about, um, we've gotten a lot of like listener feedback and a lot of our own stories about just like that process of coming back into your body when the message that you've been receiving, you know, your whole life is that your flesh is deceitful and, you know, lean not on your own understanding is the one that comes up for us a lot. And, um, you know, the heart is deceitful above all things. And just these messages that like, you cannot trust your inner knowing like that. Mm -hmm. For me, it was always like, that's the devil. The devil is Mm -hmm. my inner voice. And he's trying to like lead me astray or whatever. Um, were there places where that was hard for you like did you bump into yourself in that at all coming back into that or was it just like an opening it was more yeah it was more like an opening like I was completely cracked open and then it was like something when like a light switch went completely on and as 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 
I don't know, it's um, cheesy as it sounds, but it was like an enlightenment thing. Right. It was like, even in, you know, going to that place of like the body experiencing body, my, like my body coming to love this body, the way it feels, the way it moves, the way it shows up in the world, experiencing pleasure in ways that I thought were completely of the devil, you know, right. like things like that. It was like, what? Oh why like just yeah sometimes I'm left with no words like thinking and it's sad you know there are days where I grieve for that time you know the the parts of me that are lost and then you know Mm -hmm. of course I come to understand that you know my life is this beautiful piece of pottery that's now being patched really beautifully and put together Um, but there are days where I am overcome with sadness at the thought of like all these things that we thought mm-hmm. um, were true that were coming from a place of fear. Um, and, you know, for me, one of the biggest things was, you know, has to do with how I'm raising my daughters. Yeah. Um, and so they grew up, you know, in the church with mom being a certain way and mom never said a bad word. And mom was just like this image of perfection. Right. And so, mm-hmm they were with me when I was at Amago and when they saw what I went through, I didn't share with them a lot of the details of of the experiences, but they could tell something was not right. And now like they want nothing to do with church. Like they wouldn't Mm -hmm. even go into Mm -hmm. a church. And some of the words that they said is that that place feels claustrophobic for me Mm. And it felt felt like it was a place where we were betrayed. Mm. And um, I don't think the people there are honest. Mm. And so it's taken some work to like, you know, I don't want them to hate church um, or religion. I want them to understand and then make a choice. Um, But I would say that that's one of the places where it's been the hardest and they've seen me, you know, they've seen the process and they love this new mom, even though there are some things they don't understand. What do you mean? Like universe and like things like that. We don't understand Mm -hmm. all that, but they can see that I am me. Like this is who I truly am. And I, and I know they get it. Oh man. Mm -hmm. Oh, I hear that so much that like for me with fable, when I was going through this, that was one of, the heaviest parts of it for me was like, it's not just my soul, it's Fable's soul. Right. And like, mm-hmm. I better be real sure about mm-hmm. what I'm doing here because I don't want to take God from mm-hmm. my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that's what I kept returning to is I also want her to know me. I think if there's anything that's the most important thing, like I want her to feel that she is loved mm-hmm. no matter mm-hmm. what with mm-hmm. zero restriction as to what right. she can become and be Mm -hmm. and do Mm -hmm. and I want her to feel like she knows who I am and can trust that that love is coming from a place that Mm -hmm. she's familiar with like I had these awful Mm -hmm. these awful ideas of her like finding out all of my secrets at 25 you know and then just being like Mm -hmm. I never knew you and there's something that that just felt so like Mm -hmm. that was the the really the strongest motivator for me in trying Mm -hmm. to go through that unification process and bring Mm -hmm you know, all of these different mm-hmm. pieces of me together was like, I need my daughter to feel like she can trust mm-hmm. that she knows me. Like that right. feels right. like the most important 
thing that I can give her. So, Mm -hmm. man. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think because there is, there is sacredness and authenticity. Mm -hmm. And so I feel that my girls can experience that, that expansion, that, I don't want to call it holiness, but that sacredness in being who you are, completely whole. And in that, because I believe that we are an expression of the creator of the universe, they can connect with that and feel that love. Mm. And so um, I also didn't want them to have to go to all the way to their, like, we're like 38 and 39 and then like awaken that late, you know? Right. (laughs) So I wanted them to witness the process and then hopefully model to them what it means to live authentically and and mm. reintegrate it so well and they have this yeah. mama who's going to be like you're too much and it's perfect and I love right. that. absolutely that's, that's <laughs> absolutely best because like my whole I mean I had parents that were pretty like they were really supportive of me doing everything that I wanted to do but I still grew up in patriarchal church culture that was like you know this is your role this is what you should mm-hmm if you desire anything as a woman, this is what you should desire, which is to be hospitable and mm-hmm. mother and support mm-hmm. a man. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 49% of the decision-making process, well, right. 51% right. process. <laughs> Let's be real. That was never going to fly. Right. Uh, <laughs> like, mm. Then I just get, how about we just flip it? Well, when you're me, then you just go into like being straight up manipulative because then I'm just like, well, if I only get 49%, I'm going to make you think you have 55% and it'll be fine. That'll be fine. Uh, But I feel like there's something about that coming from, there's something sacred in it for me of that coming from a mother who's been on the other side of that and can really like, like it feels like such a privilege that the community that we're in now also all looks at fable that way and just says everything that you are like we just Mm -hmm. we couldn't possibly care less about Mm -hmm. you know the details of who you love or what you do or any of that we care that you are brave and kind and that you know that you are loved like that's Mm -hmm. it (laughs) and I love the simplicity of that message I don't care what you wear I don't care what you say I don't care how many questions you ask in fact I hope you ask all the questions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and some more questions awesome bring it on sister but uh, it's so good mm-hmm. it's so good yeah. it makes me yeah. it makes me really emotional just like you talking about mothering your girls oh it's it's beautiful it's been a beautiful it's actually been a beautiful process and I I was telling somebody the other day like I feel I am so in love with my daughter's just for the mere fact that I am so in love with who I am mm. and who I've like, you know, just this aspect of returning home to myself and bringing all of me to the game mm. makes me a way better mom to them. And my our relationship is deeper and richer because we can talk about everything without feeling there's fear or shame or judgment about anything. Everything is up for grabs, mm-hmm. any kind of questions about anything. And so I'm just in love with the the journey and where we're at um, with my daughters. I feel like we are a badass trio. I of, love it. And you're so women. You are. You so are. And it's so great. Like I feel I have this vision of your daughters. I haven't seen your daughters in years, but I have this just vision of them like growing into these like powerful 
Oh, totally. Wonderfully loved and empowered women. And it Mm -hmm. makes me so happy. It gives (laughs) me goosebumps. I love it so much. Um, Okay. We got, we got sidetracked in motherhood, which is, Um, (laughs) where were we? So you left, you resigned from the job at Mongo. You started doing the life coaching thing. Right. And then you started to kind of come into this awakening. So then what's that trajectory been like for you? Right. So that is the trajectory that I'm in. I don't go to church. My husband goes occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't go because I don't feel like going. Um, right. And I think, you know, it's been three years, but it, there are a lot of pieces that still feel very raw. And so I have to be very careful with my triggers, which I'm, you know, processing those. Um, but I, I don't feel like I have to go. Um, and so I don't go. And I'm okay with that. I I'm love that. Over it. So simple. Yeah. Wow. You know, yeah, like, yeah. What, a, so. what a shocking idea <laughs> that you could just right. not do a thing because right. you don't feel like doing it. Right. That's right. revolutionary. It's totally good. <laughs> yep. And so, um, so then the process of like that awakening process, you know, which I call awakening the goddess, it's just awakening that essence, that divine essence that we as women have that I feel has been dormant for so many years because of patriarchy and like culture and religion and all these paradigms that are just like built to Mm -hmm. confine women to this role because woman is very dangerous if she is entirely herself, Mm. you know? And so it's learning about um, that divine feminine aspect, bringing that into the picture of what does it mean to be fully in your power connected you know, with source, universe, spirit, God, um, and just step into the world from a place of wholeness and connectedness, balancing those two energies, the masculine energy and the feminine energy. Um, so that's kind of like where, where I've been reciting for the past I don't know, couple of years. And I absolutely love every single <laughs> thing. <laughs> That I am discovering and learning and embodying, you know, it's just awakening um, to the intuition. What does it mean to follow your intuition and not rely on outside voices to tell you what to do or where to go? Because when intuition is in direct connection with the universe, with God, with spirit and source, there's no way you can err because it comes from a place of groundness and it comes from this balance of personal truth and universal truth that is completely, it's whole. It's all Mm -hmm. about whole. It's that holistic. Yeah, yeah. it's that holistic thing. And so I love how, even though, you know, my journey was, it's very diverse and colorful and, you know, has all these different aspects it's given me a really good foundation, a very Mm -hmm. holistic foundation to embody this work of wholeness and just guide women to embody wholeness, to personal and universal truth, to awaken the goddess, you know, what does that look like? What does the, the, the voice piece look like as a woman that is awakened? How do you bring your voice into spaces? What do you speak on? Um, what are the things that matter to you? Mm. Um, the boundaries piece, the power piece. How, how do, we, do we bring a power that is balanced with masculine energy and feminine energy? Um, redefining, um, redefining terms of like flow and 
I don't know, fluidity. It's just, it's rich and it's, it's juicy and it's good. Hmm. That's all I, <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even it. looking at like, you know, even looking at terms like that, you know, everything, those terms of like juicy and moist and flowy are, are terms that have become dirty. And right. so how do we reintegrate that? Because that is part of being. Oh gosh into our wholeness and being at peace with that being at peace with our cycle which is a beautiful thing and just all those kinds of things experiencing pleasure outside of having sex it's, it's just a lot of a lot of really good stuff yeah like <laughs> taking from the world in the name of pleasure for women right. I think it's such a radical concept like just right. this idea of demanding something from the world like, right we grow up kind of in this well at least in our paradigm I think we grow up in this context of like you can't your job is to contribute to the world, right. mm-hmm. to manage it and to nurture it and to help it and not to ask anything of it. And mm-hmm. it's just the, the radical nature mm-hmm. of taking pleasure mm-hmm. from something. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, mm-hmm. I, could, I could talk about that for a yeah. long time. There's so much in that that we're just like, oh, what? You what? You what? Well, it, feel, it feels dirty. And like, there's nothing, there's nothing mm-hmm. dirty about saying taking mm-hmm. pleasure. And yet it feels mm-hmm. like something you should say mm-hmm. quietly. You know? I know. I know. God forbid. Just ruffle anyone, some feathers. <laughs> right. Anyone should, hear, anyone should hear a woman speak of pleasure. My God, what right. will become of us? Exactly. <laughs> witches of the world. Um, exactly. So you feel like you're showing up as yourself for your life? Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's so good. I love it. I absolutely love it. So as you're coming into that, what does she what does she want to say? Um this whole version of you. Mm. Oh gosh. I it's a small question, it's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like she should have prepped me for this one because I could write a thesis on it. <laughs> I like the improv version. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> She wants to say that being a woman is an absolute joy. All the parts of it is an absolute joy, that there is absolutely nothing wrong with who you were designed, created to be, and that all of your desires, all of your wants, and all of the things that you crave for you are a good thing. And now I, you know, I feel like, that needs to happen in a very safe container where people can express it. And I, and I will say that had I not had that safe space to unfold and envision what that looked like, it would have looked like a midlife crisis. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's what happens. You know, there's, I feel like there's a collective awakening of, of the women and if we have no safe spaces for them to question, envision, um, be curious about, it could just it look it could look unhinged. It could look like completely just yeah, a midlife crisis. Yeah. Um, but once you find that space um, where you can just ponder your desires, come to terms with all of who you are, be able to reintegrate. That is like the best place to be. Mm-hmm. And out of that step into the world, connected to your truth, really grounded in who you are 
and connected to that creative source and speak from that is the most powerful voice mm-hmm. there is in the world. And so my hope, my prayer for women would be to continue to ask those questions and to listen to that restlessness and that feeling of like, there is something missing in my life. What is it? So keep asking the question, try to find a space where you feel heard and, and welcome and embraced so that you can, you can do that work and figure out what it is. Because I believe that once you find out at the very core, there's a piece of you that's missing that once you reintegrate that you'll awaken to something that is completely life-changing. And dangerous, but in the yes, dangerous, but in a really good way. I love that so, (laughs) so much. That reaches to me. (laughs) I felt like I was doing a sermon right there. You just, you just like pastored (laughs) me completely. I'm like, yes, amen. Um, I love you, and I love, I love you too. Is there um. We have time. So if there are there other things that you want to touch on or talk about, we can this is your platform, sister. We can do anything you want. So. <laughs> um, I don't know what to um let's see. I could talk about some of the things that I have been experimenting with. You want to? Sure. Go yeah. for it. Let's yeah. hear about it. I want to know. Um I think um one of the things that I've enjoyed is learning um, from from past cultures and in our ancestors and the way women used to be and operate in the world. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of a collective group of women gathering in a circle and sharing knowledge or even women um, going out, you know, those that had their periods around the same time would go out and have that time together to just do introspective work I, mm. like all these things that we've lost because because of technology and advancement and enlightenment and whatever and sure. all those other things um but that has been very sweet to learn about you know this idea of like having rituals and having these tools they are tools or not on their means to an end their tools um, that help us to connect with our inner guidance. Um, it's something that I've enjoyed a lot. There we go. Sorry. And yeah, that's something that I am. Um, yeah. Learning about and connecting to the earth. Um, and mother nature and learning from the cycles of life Mm. learning from energy how energy moves how we interact with energy because in a very scientific way it's all about energy Mm. and so how do we interact with that energy um, so that it's always in balance and so it's it's been fascinating and I love learning so I just keep going (laughs) right just keep diving in yeah I do yeah what has been like, what's one tool, like just a, a thing, a fun thing that you've learned about that you were maybe afraid to engage with before uh, or just okay. like you shouldn't. So yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about my ritual, okay. like, or as we would say in the olden times, our quiet time. <laughs> You're devotional. <laughs> yes. devotional. Yes. And that sounds so irreverent, but yes. It's fine. Um, this podcast is called Heathen, just so we're clear. <laughs> 
You right. can bring on your irreverence. <laughs> We're fans. <laughs> I am coming to terms with like how much reverence is appropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's okay. We're with you. This is right. a process. It's a journey. We got no judgment here. We we fully own that we're going to say problematic shit um, all the time. So. so, okay. So let me just tell you what it is because I feel that I am more connected to God to the universe than I've ever been before. So mm-hmm. I get up in the morning, I drink water because it nourishes my body. It cleanses, you know, it flushes away toxins. It's healthy and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, and then I do some of the things that I need to do for my chronic illness. And then I take time to meditate. And for the longest time, I could not meditate. Right. Um, even when I was a Christian, like I couldn't just sit and meditate in the word of God. Like I couldn't, my mm-hmm. mind was completely out of it. Um, but I've learned how to do so. Um, and I feel, you know, there's this, there's a, um, not a structure, but like a rhythm. I connect with the light, you know, in the universe, God's light. I connect with the light from the earth. Um, and then I, I expand and I'm able to sit there for a long time just listening to my own inner guidance. Mm-hmm. And she speaks to me and she takes form and I interact and I ask questions and, you know, I'm just speaking to what in the world? I'm sorry. No, you're fine. It's <laughs> my phone. It's your inner voice. She's calling. <laughs> yes, she's calling. Threat <laughs> <Right>, lightly. <laughs> you mentioned my name. Hello. Um, and so I do, I do that. Right. And so most of the time I just sit there and I, in order to connect with that, what I do is that I think, what are the feelings I would feel if I had no worries and no cares in the world, mm-hmm. if I had all the money in the world that I needed, my family's taken care of, I am taken care of, I have no worry and no stress. What do I feel? And when I'm able to get to that space, I feel immense peace. I feel joy. I feel freedom in expansion, right? So those four feelings. When I when I am able to connect with those four four feelings, I'm able to connect with my divine guidance. And so I will ask questions about what direction to take my business or how to go about my day or what kind of um characteristic or trait should I pay attention to during the day. Um and then she speaks and I listen and something that's been really fun. That's been a little, you know, scary for um, some people to hear after I am done and I'm able to, you know, just come back. I use Oracle cards Hmm. to confirm what my soul has said. Hmm. Right. And so I don't, I don't read tarot. I don't know how to do that. I, that's not something that at this point I want, I'm curious about. Right. But I do have these oracle cards that are really cool. Um, and they're called Love Your Inner Goddess oracle mm-hmm. cards, right? And so I have never had one layout that doesn't coincide 100% huh. with what my soul has guided me to. And I shuffle those cards like there's no tomorrow. I mean, there's no way of like figuring it. Yes, absolutely. And so there are words in those cards that 
that resonate with what my soul was experiencing in that mm-hmm. moment. So that's that's something fun that I'm experiencing. I love it. Experiencing and experimenting. It's really funny because sometimes my husband opens the door and he looks at the car. He's like, uh, I'll be right back. Stop and do not pass go. Do right. not collect. You're like going to turn into a witch. Can you just let me know? <laughs> oh, I love it. Part of, um, part of what we're doing with Heathen this season. Um, so the first season was all stories. And then this season we wanted to do something a little more interactive. So we have, um, as what we call the slippery slopes series okay. uh-huh. where we like go and actually try and experience mm-hmm. tools mm-hmm. and other things that like we were right. just not allowed to engage with right. uh, mm-hmm. growing up evangelical. So mm-hmm. tarot was actually the first one that we did was we had somebody come in and teach us about tarot cards mm-hmm. and do a little reading for us. Mm-hmm. And like Matthew and I both cried through the entire thing. Like it was this huge, and I wound up, I walked away. I was so angry. Not, not, I mean, not like I, I want to hit somebody angry, but I was just annoyed that I had avoided that for as long mm-hmm. as I had, that I thought that it was some sort of big, dark, scary mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. and everything about it. I mean, the way that tarot was explained to us is sort of like a Rorschach ink block, ink blocked kind of a thing where like, you're going to see what you're going to see in the cards mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. the cards are a tool to help bring out right. that inner voice, <clears throat> which is mm-hmm. really useful for those of us who have been shaming That's our right. inner voice forever. Like it's right. nice to have a tangible tool exactly. that you can hold and be like, okay, I'm going to look at this and see what comes up for me. And then I'm going to trust whatever comes up. Mm-hmm. I went out and bought a deck. I bought a deck of tarot cards the next day. Cause I was like, uh-huh. I'm so mad that I don't have this. And, like, right, it's fun. Right. and I totally do. I do the same thing where like, I just will sit and I don't even know, like, I don't know what I believe around like how that all works, yeah. but I do know that like, I enjoy the experience of shuffling the deck, of looking through, mm-hmm. of pulling it out, of looking at the beautiful artwork on the card, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the description and like seeing what it brings up for me and just mm-hmm. kind of listening mm-hmm. and being, okay, let's see what this goes up. And like, to me, right. it just feels like yet another tool, like not mm-hmm. even necessarily supernatural, just, right, just right, something right. else you can use to kind of tune in and listen and try to get a better grip on what's going on. Right. And I love it. So I'm all about Oracle card, whatever. I have yeah. a little tarot. Yeah. I always have like the little tarot card of the day sitting up too. So there we are. Shocker, yep. shocker. We're really well aligned <laughs> on that. What a surprise. <laughs> we're doing the same thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's so funny. Even like my daughters, you know, it's been one of those times in and at night they they'll come in and they'll be like, Mom, let's let's draw cards. Hmm. And so we'll just sat in a circle and we each draw a card and then I read and at the end there's like a ritual, like whether it is a, you say a prayer or say an affirmation or write something down and they absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And they have been able to identify things in their school life that, oh, perhaps I can approach a situation in this way. Hmm. And so we absolutely Yeah, we absolutely love that stuff. Can I ask you a a really out of left field question that we'll keep on and maybe we won't? Um, Are you, how do you feel about, like, how do you feel like your transition the last three years has changed the way that you feel about event, like your daughters are older than mine and like getting to the point where you're talking to them about sex and pleasure and desire Mm -hmm. and their bodies, like how has it changed Mm -hmm. how you anticipate those conversations? Yeah, yeah. So... I, my oldest daughter, you know, so she was, she was alive and in the church for a longer time than my youngest one. Right, right. 
her perception of all of that stuff is very different than my youngest one who can talk about anything and mm-hmm. she's she's not afraid of talking about sex or whatever you know right. my oldest one is more closed off a little bit it makes her very uncomfortable sure and I you know this whole awakening to myself like I am very comfortable with my body but even before I oh, you know, experienced awakening. I've always been comfortable with my body. And so I've walked around my house. I love to walk around naked. I mm-hmm. think like clothes are so, naked people. Yes, <laughs> I do. And I hate to wear a bra. And it's just like on Fridays, we were not underwear. It's just like, I, you know, that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Free day Friday. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Um, but I'm, they've grown up with me being very comfortable right, with my body. And so even though like one of them is more, cautious or she doesn't feel as comfortable when it comes to conversations like there is nothing that's out of the you can bring any question and anything Mm -hmm. to the table and so the other day I think it was I was going to she asked the question of what a word was and I think it was a vibrator Mm -hmm. and so I very casually said what it was and I used the word pleasure and I was like so do you have any questions it's like nope not interested okay what when you are interested in learning (laughs) then you know she's in that awkward like 14 year old right you know stage yep right um but there's no question that's off the table for them to Mm -hmm. ask and I will sometimes throw things out there to see if they're ready and if they land we talk about them and if not then we Mm -hmm. move on I love it. I love that so much. I think for me, like I've been thinking a lot about like my whole context around sex and pleasure and my body was all about like preserving it growing up. Like here's how you protect yourself. Here's how you keep yourself safe. Here's how you don't get pregnant. Here's how you Mm -hmm. save yourself because your body belongs to Jesus and then it will belong Right. You know, to your to husband. Your husband. <laughs> right. So mm-hmm. like here's how you make sure you give him a pure and holy gift. Right. right. Um, but like all of it in that context, I know. And then we, it's painful to hear it. It's hard, right? And then we wonder, like, oh uh, this gift is not entirely pure. <laughs> Sorry. It's tainted. Yes. Uh, <laughs> It's so awful. But like, really, like that's the messaging that like purity culture gives to girls, right? It's just like, here's how you, A, here's how you keep your body from being somebody else's Mm -hmm. stumbling block, right? Mm -hmm. And then also here is how you make sure that you present a perfect and, Mm -hmm. you know, damaged package to the men who have ownership of your body. Mm -hmm. And like, I am so excited to talk to Fable from an angle of like, hey, baby girl, here's why this is good for you. And like, here's what good should feel like and look like. And like, mm-hmm. here's what you can ask for right. from the world. Mm-hmm. And like, just that perspective shift is honestly one of the biggest things about this transition for me. Like, I'm so excited about instead of like dreading those conversations, like right. I'm stoked. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I can't wait to have those talks with you. And like, mm-hmm. It's going to be hard for me if she is like, mom, I don't want to talk to you about this. I'm going to be like, 
I can send I can send mine to you and you can yeah, send great. Perfect. Well, I love that too. I think that's so that's one of the things yeah. I'm so grateful for is like when you do start and we didn't even get into like how the patriarchy makes you distrust other women because that oh yeah. Oh man, that's, that's been a big one for me too. Like when I realize how complicit and like what a participant I've been in some of these ideas of like women are too emotional women are blah 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 and like how I've thrown other women under the bus to fit in with the flannel clad bearded men crowd right or how when I first started at Michael I was told by one of my fellow pastors um we won't be friends because I am married and perception is everything right like which is oh, limiting right. and also, <laughs> and also, right. It's all kinds of wrongs. <laughs> it's a world of wrong. But like, um, oh God, I got so sidetracked by this. I got right. world of rage here. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know where I was going. Um, but yes, like, we're talking oh, about how good it was about the community. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like when you have a community of women, like I love that. I feel like my daughter has a community of mothers, you know, and some of them will be safer than me to ask about certain things. And some of them will be more knowledgeable than me in areas. And like, that's one of my favorite things as a parent to rest in and to just know that like, I'm not the only person who loves her and who is looking out for her here. And she doesn't have to rely on what I know and my experience. Like Mm -hmm. she gets to hear all these people. And I don't, I don't have any desire to censor anything that anyone would say to her. Like, I want her to have all of that information. And like, I don't care if I agree. Like, I want her to hear it and make her, my job is to teach her discernment, right? Like my job is to teach her how to listen to her voice and how to trust it Mm -hmm. and how to make decisions and how to sort out, Mm -hmm. you know, good information and bad information and, Mm -hmm. you know, be kind and brave and seek justice. Like that's that's my job. And beyond that, like, I'm so excited that she's going to get to just have this crew of women around her that she mm-hmm. can trust. It's gorgeous. It's mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. It's yes. so good. Yes. That's, that's sweet. <laughs> it's so good. Not as much flannel because we're in San Diego now. <laughs> yes. How's it been for you being back in Minnesota? It has been a yeah, huge change. I feel, um, you know, it was, the right time it was the right move but I feel this is a holding space for us Mm. um and so I know we won't be here for that long I love it you're so so neat I'm that way too I'm just like I just know this thing I don't know why I know it but I know right 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 and I know like my heart belongs close to the ocean and so I know that's where that's where we're going. Well, if you need a realtor in San Diego. Okay. <laughs> totally. The house of my dreams, I'm pretty sure, is in California. At Karen Thurston Realtor. Uh, <laughs> love it. No, I mean, obviously, we'd love to have you. You can have our ocean anytime. Um, but yeah, so it's been, so it feels like a, a temporary transitional mm-hmm. space for you. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad that you are. That's good. I'm glad that you have a place to be for the time being. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. like health stuff and everything has been pretty good there. It sounds like, yeah. It's been good. Yeah. I mean, treatment is intense, you know, um, um, but it's good. It's good. good. We live in the basement with my in-laws. And so my in-laws are conservative Pentecostal pastors. And so, um, 
I keep my oracle cards in my drawer. There's <laughs> <laughs> witchcraft in the basement. I know. And my dream catchers. Um, I had to do some explaining about those. <laughs> but it's it's all good. Like I'm I feel very thankful that they opened their home to us and yeah, it's it's okay. You're here for now. Yes. You're doing the work. Yeah. Okay. And I'm present and I'm present. So that's good. All right, my love. I'm so grateful to you for doing this. Thank you for. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Like I, there was a little bit of fear around it, but so good. Yay. Well, and tell everyone, so you're doing life coaching work and all that. Tell people where they can find you. Where can they find you? So my website is www. So it's avacruzpena.com. So E-V-A-C-R-U-Z-P-E-N-A.com. And I'm also on <clears throat> Facebook, Eva Cruz Pena Life Coach. And my group, this sacred community space, is called the Sacred Goddess Sisterhood. So all the women that would like a safe space to unfold and unravel and unbecome and be curious are welcome to join. I love it. I love it. Thank you so, so much for being You're here. You're very welcome, my dear. Thank here's, you for having me. Here's to women being dangerous. Yes. Thanks for listening to Heathen. We're here every week. And in the meantime, if you miss us, you can find us in the following ways. Follow at Heathen Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email at askheathen at gmail.com, especially if you have feedback or ideas for future episodes. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and that helps other people find Heathen. And if you'd like to contribute to this community for people who need a soft place to land as they move away from bad religion, you can support Heathen on Patreon at patreon.com slash heathen podcast well thank you for your support with exclusive bonus content which you know is going to be freaking awesome (laughs) wherever you find yourself in this space of godless spirituality spiritual godlessness or anywhere in between you're not alone we're glad you're here here's to the heathens (laughs) 